0: Welcome in again to another episode of Adopt, Don't Shop USA. I'm your host, Karen Kalunian, here on All About Animals Radio. I just always like at the top of the show to thank Gary for including us in this great adventure of his to spread the word about animals and all things animals. That's what I just like to say. Some some really amazing stuff that we get to talk about here every week with you on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. So I just... Before we get started, I had uh, two guests planned for today, and one of my guests, unfortunately, was not able to be a part of the show today just due to some unforeseen circumstances at his home, unfortunately, with home repairs. And we all can relate to that, I'm sure. Um, But I'm hoping that next week, Chris Rotunda from Jordan's Way Tour will be with us. But if you do have a minute to check out what he's the work that he does and his facebook page or his instagram or his website it's jordan's way tour and he just is doing amazing work across the united states with uh, visiting shelters and rescues and raising funds much needed funds i should say for animals that are waiting to find forever homes but we'll catch up with chris next week and my other guest today is Emma Dolly from Save One Soul Animal Rescue League right here in our home base of Rhode Island. That's where Animal Talk is based. And we are so excited to have Emma. I've known Emma personally for a long time and she has done some amazing work here in Rhode Island and beyond. She's covers mostly the New England area and I'm sure she's done adoptions throughout New England and she rescues from all over. So I just wanted to welcome her in, and we're going to talk all about the work that she does with Save One Soul and what she's got coming up, and we're going to feature some of her adoptable pets here today on Adopt, Don't Shop USA. So Emma, thank you so much for calling in today and being a part of our new show here. Thank you so much for having
1: me, Karen, and I love this show. This is a great exposure for all those homeless pets out there that are looking for the right home.
0: You know, it's so interesting because I just thought we would start the show off a little bit today about talking about being overwhelmed in animal rescue right now. I personally have had so many people reach out either wanting to relinquish a pet for under so many circumstances. We don't have to list all of them, but, you know, people are having hard financial times right now, or they could be illness or moving, you know, because of job placement, all sorts of things and then just rescues being overwhelmed. So many people right now are feeling full with animals and and reaching out to each other and just trying to move animals around. And how are you finding it? Well,
1: um, not much different from what you describe, unfortunately. Um, But I I can't say that this is a new thing, uh, unfortunately, actually, Um, there's always such a huge need for good homes, whether they're temporary foster homes or permanent forever homes for our companion pets out there. There's just a huge, huge need. Um, and we're, yeah, we're seeing very similar things. Uh, we're seeing a, a big mix, uh, you know, puppies that have no issues, adult dogs that have no behavioral issues. They're just happy-go-lucky great dogs that just don't have a place to call home. And then we're also seeing some dogs, you know, that have some, some quirks and uh, need a little something special and need just the right setting for them to succeed. Um, And yeah, it's, it's across the board Uh, and yeah, there's just, there's a huge need and there, unfortunately, I, I hate to say it, but there has been ever since I've been doing this for 10 plus years, there's always more that can be done that needs to be done. Always more that need to be helped.
0: And, you know, I do have to agree with you. And I do say over the last decade, you know, since I've been involved and a little bit longer that it's just incredible. I don't think people realize the magnitude of the need out there. And I know that folks that are in the rescue industry or the shelter industry or even in transporting, in training, there's so many aspects to this whole process of what we do. I don't think they realize the need. And that's why with this program, we hope to bring awareness to it and have people realize that there are so many animals out there. People always say to me, well, it's difficult to navigate the process. Yes, I understand that. If you're not, you know, in the know, so to speak, it is difficult sometimes to find a a companion animal close to your house or you, you know, you search on the internet and it leads you to all these different places. And sometimes you might find an animal that's not in the same state as you. So it can be overwhelming. And so what I'm trying to do is help people navigate that process, number one, make that connection. And again, like you said, which I think is so important too, maybe they can adopt So, but maybe they can foster and help in that regard. And I know that your rescue is solely foster-based. So if you could explain to people how that works for you at Save One Soul, and you never know, someone could be listening and think, well, maybe that's an option for me.
1: Yeah, fostering is a huge part of what we do and how we're able to save and help the dogs and the humans uh, who end up adopting these dogs and enriching their lives with these dogs. Uh, so fostering is, I always tell people fostering is way harder than adopting. So I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not
0: going uh, <laughs> to. I <roast> agree. <laughs> no, um, I agree because you fall yeah. in love and then you have to let go. <laughs> yes.
1: Well, there's that emotional component. And then also just the logistics. So adopting, you're planning to have this dog if it's a young dog for maybe 10, 15 years. So mm-hmm. all of the effort and time and energy that you put into the dog, developing a routine, developing a relationship, teaching them basic commands, building their confidence, all of that will hopefully stay with you and and add to your life and to the dog's life with you for the next 10, 15 years. Um, With fostering Uh, the dog still needs all of that help, maybe not, you know, for 10, 15 years, uh, but still needs all that help with confidence building, with getting into a routine, getting settled, decompressing. Um, and then on top of it, finding the next home. So learning as much as we can about the dog and what they like, don't like what they're comfortable with so that we can help steer adopted homes to their right match. And then, Uh, assuming your job is successful as a foster, the dog gets adopted, which is great, which is what, what we want to have happen. And
0: you get to start over with the next one. (laughs) right so and and that's the whole process of what you want to do with a foster is build that relationship so that they're also comfortable doing the whole process because as you explained it it's not just taking the cute puppy home or the you know the adult dog that you thought was just going to kind of hang out and relax in your home because there's always different aspects to every animal that you have to sort of work out and figure out in your own home as a family or if you're someone who lives alone, you know, it just, it really does change your life. And we hope that fostering changes your life for the better, but it is, it is a, it is a process. It's like you said, it's sometimes harder than actually adopting. And I think that's an amazing point for people to understand. And I know that, um, go ahead. Yeah. And each, each dog is different. Each dog is an individual.
1: Um, for the average person who might have dogs their entire life, they might maybe have one or two dogs at a time. Maybe I would say at most, maybe five to eight dogs over their entire lifetime. And if you foster, um, you can have five to eight dogs in a month. Um, and so the knowledge that you're gaining from working with each of these different individuals, um, teaching a dog sit, it can be different from one dog to the next, Um, what a dog needs to feel comfortable and safe and secure, what a dog needs to build their confidence. It's very analogous to human children. Um, Each human child is different and has different needs, learns differently, um, has different feelings. Dogs absolutely have emotional responses to situations and experiences, and how they process those experiences uh, is going to define, help define who they become as an adult, if we're talking about a puppy, Uh, And so fostering is huge, is is a huge portion, um, a huge part of our program. And and then, so we also in that vein, try to support our foster homes as much as we can. We recognize it is a hard job. It is difficult. They are constantly dealing with new behavioral uh, situations. They're dealing with new medical situations. So we have actually a, a very experienced team. We have a training support team. Uh, We have additional stimulation and enrichment care team. And then we also work with behavior consultants and trainers to help support our fosters in anything that they might uh, come across so that we're setting everyone up for success.
0: And which is key because I, you know, through this experience of, of the many years that I personally have been doing this as well, I see lots of rescues and everybody has their own sort of style and whatnot when it comes to fostering, but the fact that you have an amazing team behind your rescue that is there for these folks, because you don't want to feel like, okay, now I've got this new dog in my home and I've been left literally out and left field (laughs) to try to figure and navigate this for myself. It's so important to have someone that you can call or email and say, hey, you know, I just had a quick question. I, I noticed this or I noticed that because most oftentimes these animals come to you on a transport and you're seeing them for the first time, although you've probably done your your back work and your homework, you know, learning about the dogs before they come to you. But sometimes they could come here and this new atmosphere and new people and new smells and and new schedules and all of those things impact these animals in such a way that something could develop that you were totally unaware of. And it's it's awesome to have you there. And say, hey, you know, let's figure it out as a team. So I want to commend you for that because I, I know uh, from experience that you have a, a great team behind you of, of people that are willing to help at the drop of a hat. That's huge. Yes.
1: We, we do. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate everyone on our team. Uh, it, it truly takes a village. And we have a really awesome village. So um, we could not do this without everyone chipping in and, and really helping out when and however they can.
0: And so for you, I did see recently that you did have a huge influx of of dogs come your way. Could you tell us a little bit about the last uh, batch that's come up for you?
1: Well, actually, just this Saturday, we had 23 dogs make their way north to us from Arkansas, Uh, mostly puppies, but a few adults. Uh, And they're just... Um, they're really good dogs. (laughs) You know, you never know what you're getting 100%. Um, A lot of uh, the intake process in the South is focused on getting the dog physically healthy and ready for transport. There's not often a lot of exposure that the Southern caretakers can facilitate with the dog to really get to know their personalities. Um, They're not always living in private, individual homes. Sometimes they're kind of living in a kennel type situation, or they're living in a in a private home, but the private home has multiple fosters and maybe a kennel on their property, uh, and the dog isn't fully integrated. So we don't know a ton about them necessarily when when they do actually get on the truck and head north. Uh, but the, the pups that we have this that came in last weekend, uh, just a few days ago are superb. I've met most of them And, uh, yeah, they're just, they're just a whole, a mix ranging from, uh, two and a half month old puppies up to, I think the oldest adult on this transport was three years. So not very old. Um, Mm -hmm. but we do have next, the next transport in two weeks. Um, we do have a couple seniors. Um, we've got a great Dane mix coming up. We've got, you know, we got a cute little two-year-old chihuahua last week. So all across the board, Uh, And they're just, they're coming from a myriad of situations. Uh, A lot of the puppies were found dumped somewhere in in wilderness in Arkansas. Um, It's a somewhat rural area and just a good Samaritan driving down a dirt road, saw a group of puppies and collected them and called our Southern partner and said, Hey, can you help us out? And our Southern partner said, Hey, do you think you can foster them for, four weeks while we get them ready for transport. And um, sometimes the Good Samaritan is able to. So it's very, very grassrootsy on the ground uh, in Arkansas, in our southern partner areas. Um, really working with the community, you know, just, you know, the person who found them, can you help us? Because we don't have enough foster homes to keep these dogs safe until they they come north. Um, so that's sometimes, you know, how it goes. Uh, sometimes there is, you um, There are tons of Facebook pages, free pets in whatever town USA. Uh, Our Southern partner monitors those pages. And when they see a dog who we think would make a good candidate for going through the rescue process, which it can be very stressful on the dog, um, the vetting, uh, going on a transport truck for a day and a half, uh, changing homes multiple times, going to adoption events, we ask a lot of our dogs.
0: Um, uh, You know, it's so funny that you say that because I always go back to one word and it's resilience. I mean, if I just think to myself, could I, and I think I probably told the story already on one episode, but I always say, could I go through what they go through? And my answer is always probably not because like you just said, explaining all of that, what you just said, and not having a choice at the end of where you end up is pretty amazing and talk about resiliency. And most of them do amazing. It's incredible how they go through this and process this without, without being able to tell us what they're thinking and feeling verbally and just wag their tails and smile for the most part. I, I just, it's really an incredible thing to me. And I'm sure you feel the same way. It really
1: is. It's the more I learn about dog behavior, the more surprised I am that, uh, <laughs> we don't have more issues. Um, they, they are very resilient. They are just amazing little spirits, uh, to be able to handle so much of what we throw at them. Uh, and yeah, I think the, the verbal communication that's, that's huge. Um, so a lot of these dogs maybe have never had a relationship with a human and, um, and you know, that's a re- by relationship. I mean, um, have built that that structure and trust that bond. That bond, exactly. Yeah.
0: They mm-hmm. know
1: what to predict. They know where their next meal is coming from. They know that they're going to be able to sleep inside at night. They know that they're going to have access to water. Um, having having that relationship formed, and then also, you know, the the tricks and training and all that—that that is building a relationship. Uh, it's not just about teaching the dog how to sit, how to give paw. That's cute, but um, it's it's developing that language whether you're speaking to the dog in English or Spanish or, you know, whatever, pig Latin, um,
0: <laughs> developing it's tr- that. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. It's just, it's, and once, once it's, I always liken it to the, the light switch. You can almost see it come over the dog when, when they're looking at you and longing for like whatever reaction you're giving them because they're like, you're my person now. It's just it's just uh oh, you know I get I get emotional when I think about it because you can you can see it. it you can actually see it it's like it's like a flower blossoming and when you put in the time and energy and the love and the care and the patience the end result is is just truly amazing again if if you're just uh, tuning in and you haven't been hearing the whole show I'm talking with Emma Dolly from Save One Soul Animal Rescue right here in Rhode Island on Adopt Don't Shop USA this evening and Emma and I have just been sort of going over, you know, what it's like for a dog that, you know, gets transported all over the country and and has to find its way to a forever home. And she just did a big transport of 23 dogs that came up from Arkansas. So from the south all the way up to little old Rhode Island here. And they're all available for adoption. And I'm going to just have Emma sort of go through the process of how you can potentially adopt from her rescue and give you some information. Of course, what we'll do at the end of our show, as we always do, this information will be available on All About Animals Radio, on their Facebook page and Instagram. Uh, we'll put up a couple of photos on Animal Talk. You can search us, Animal Talk 19, and this will all be connected. Gary from All About Animals Radio has been doing an amazing job, you know, spreading the word about these adoptable animals. So Emma, if you could just sort of talk people through the process for your particular rescue, if they're interested in any of your dogs.
1: Yeah, so we have a standardized process, um, but the first thing I would like to say uh, is I would like to invite anyone or everyone who is thinking of adding a dog to their family, volunteering, fostering, whether with our organization or another, is to come to our some, come to some of our in person events. Um, I think that is a great way to just get a feel for the organization, to get a feel for the kinds of dogs we have, how we talk about the dogs, what we think about uh, when we're considering placing dogs in homes. I think even though we want, uh, and our culture has driven us to seek the easy button, uh, adopting a dog is a big commitment. Uh, Like I said before, you know, hopefully you'll have this dog for 10, 15 years. Uh, And so our process, while it can seem extended uh, to some people, it can also happen as quickly as in one or two hours in the same day. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Um, We all, you know, this is a big decision, a life decision for everyone involved. And so we really want our adopters to be ready and also to be clear in their own minds as to what they're looking for and, and what that means. If if they're looking for a puppy, okay, what does that mean? The next year and a half of your life looks like this, (laughs) even with a good- Uh, Yeah, I
0: think sometimes people get excited in the process. And, and I think your point is so valid because- you know, we see, first of all, it starts out, okay, we're looking for a puppy. We see these cute pictures. We contact the agency. We get excited. And sometimes we're not thinking ahead to everything that's coming with that beautiful little package. So it is really important to sort of think it through and, and make sure that you have things planned out, not only in your own home, but in your lifestyle, because it does change your life. I'm hoping that This will change your life for the better. And that's the purpose of our show. But as Emma just stated, sometimes people sort of want the process rushed. Your job, Emma, is to protect those dogs that are in your care and to make sure that they're going to go to their forever home. And that's the whole point of listening and learning with us here on Adopt Don't Shop USA, because again, It does get, you get excited really quick. It's like when you're going out to buy something new at the store, you get excited. And sometimes you take that, whatever it is that you bought home and you go, well, maybe this wasn't the one. We don't want that to happen. Right, Emma? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we really, we really want to take
1: our time on the matchmaking. Uh, And so everything in our process is geared towards helping to better inform the match. So from from the enrichment that we provide to our dogs when they're in our foster care, the exposure, the internal communications that we have, so we learn more about our dogs. uh, Everything from there to the adopter side, where we are asking for an online application, uh, where we ask some basic questions. We also ask for a vet reference, two personal references, Um, and when we talk with those references, we're not just checking a box, but we're trying to glean information about the lifestyle, the structure, the expectations, um, kind of the, the history, because in some ways, in a lot of ways, history can inform the future. Um, but we also know that it doesn't always, and mm-hmm. all the exceptions can always be made. And, um, situ- everyone's situation is different from day to day. You never know what life's going to throw at you. Uh, and well, then we, that's,
0: that is for sure. <laughs>
1: We we also talk with our adopters a lot. So the online application is the first step, the first formal step in the process. Uh, And then once we're done with the reference checks, um, then we schedule a time to talk with our adopter. And this could be in person at one of our events, it could be over the phone, it could be through Zoom. And this is really where we get into the meat of it. So we we try to find out as much as we can about our dogs. While we're housing and caring for them. And then this interview, we call it an interview, you can call it a conversation that we have with our adopters, is our chance to find out as much as we can about the adopters and their home, their lifestyle, how they envision the dog fitting in, what they're willing to accommodate, what they're not willing to work with. Um, And all of that helps us then confirm okay, what are the dogs in our program that could be a good match for this household? And then from there, we would either do a private meet and greet with the, the candidate dog, or perhaps invite the adopters to an adoption event. If we're at an adoption event, they've obviously met some dogs. And it, it doesn't happen infrequently that sometimes the, pers- the the dog that the household has applied for is actually not probably the best match. And so we talk through that. I
0: have found that a million times over and over. You see a picture, you think that's the dog for you. You go in to the, whatever agency or whatever adoption event you're at. And then you go, oh, but there's this one. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yep.
1: Happens all the time. (laughs) It does. Or you learn little things, you know, like maybe we learned something about the dog yesterday
0: that Mm -hmm. hasn't
1: made it into the dog's online bio yet. Right. Um, you know, that, that really helps inform, you know, the right match for that dog. Mm-hmm. And those are the adopters, the adopters who are open to that conversation and really want to work to find the right match. Those are our favorite adopters. Those um, are the times, ones that
0: are successful, yes. right? Yes, they
1: absolutely. Successful and a lot adoptions. of times people pick the, you know, the right dog, you know, they, they, a lot of times self, people self-select and they, they're really good at knowing themselves and reading their mm-hmm. bios. Right. Um, But then, you know, sometimes it's, you know, we, we have to pivot. We've all, I think we've all gotten good in the last two and a half years pivoting. Um, But that's something that we've, (laughs)
0: we've all all learned to live however we have to, when we have to do whatever we got to do. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so for folks just, you know, maybe, you know, before we get to the end of our segment, I always like to sort of, and there we go. I love it. (laughs) That's <laughs> That lets us know that you have dogs, Emma. Um, yeah. If you could just sort of feature someone that you think is special that you've, you know, that maybe has been with you for a while or even someone brand new that you think would really benefit from us talking about here on the show, let us know who you're thinking about.
1: Yeah, so sorry. sorry about that occupational hazard, right?
0: No, um. I love it. I love it.
1: <laughs> Um, so if I, Oh, I can only pick one. It's so hard. No, you can pick two (laughs) or three. (laughs) Okay. So, um, I guess the the first dog I'd like to start with is blue magic.
0: He is called that name. That's a great name. First of all, blue magic. He is
1: a blue healer mix. Mm -hmm. Uh, he is a healer to, to T. Uh, he is smart as can be. He is eager for attention, uh, eager for direction um, he, he's always looking for, okay, what do you want me to do next? What game are we going to play next? Where are we going to go next? Um, that's not to say that he's hyper or bouncing off the walls. He can be a total couch potato. Um, right. but he, he is loyal to a fault to his person. Um, his foster mom has had him way too long. <laughs> we don't understand why he hasn't found his, his perfect home. I mean, I, I know why, because it's out there. And when we find it, we're going to say, this is why he's been waiting but uh, until we find that home, he, he's living it up in Warwick with a foster brother, canine brother. That's in
0: Warwick, Rhode Island. So if anybody is listening in, Emma, you adopt to Mass, Connecticut. How far will you go?
1: Yeah. So we like to keep our dogs closer rather than farther so that we mm-hmm. can provide additional post-adoption support if it's needed. Okay. But um, we've, we've placed as far away as Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, Just so
0: anybody who's listening, because, you know, this this is this show will travel wherever. So we want folks to, you know, know if if they're listening in a certain part of the country that, you know, maybe Blue Magic isn't necessarily going to make it to them. But they could share and maybe they know someone in our immediate New England area. So I like to like people know how far you're willing to have a dog travel. And again, I think it's very important to have, you know, the post-adoption help available and have the dog a little bit closer by. So maybe Blue Magic will end up somewhere in New England, which would be amazing.
1: Uh, yeah, he, he he loves it up here. He came from Arkansas. His foster mom down there loved him. Um, he, I, I think... I hope that he's not going to need much post-adoption support. So we don't want to limit him geographically, his adoption pool geographically, but, um, you know, for the right home, um, he's just going to make somebody so, so happy. He does have a little bit of dog reactivity. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that, um, you know, somebody who's looking for a dog that they can take with them anywhere, like to the brewery or, um, to a busy parade where there are other dogs. Every once in a while, um, there are some dogs. If the other dog is a little reactive or high strung, he may bark or lunge at that dog. It's nothing. Gets that it gets be- him
0: going. <laughs> it gets him going exactly. Exactly. We, you uh, know, we have to understand that that's you know so sometimes that's just like an innate an innate quality of a dog. And people always say, oh, that dog doesn't like other dogs. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes they're just trying to figure out what the other dog is saying to them. You know, they have their means and ways of communicating that maybe we don't always understand. So it is better for Blue Magic as you say to maybe have a little bit of a quieter type of an atmosphere is that what you're looking for you got it yeah so maybe not a a
1: hugely dog dense neighborhood
0: um
1: even though you know right now he lives in warwick which as you know the houses can be kind of close to each other and there are dogs throughout the neighborhood
0: um how old did you say he was i'm sorry did i miss that did you say how old he was he's a just over three years old over three, okay. Well, so he's really he's very young, and he's got a, a whole life ahead of him. So we're going to make sure that we get a picture of Blue Magic, and and he'll be up on all of the social media. And who else did you want to mention? Oh boy, we've got
1: two. Um, um, can I do two? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> well, you can you can pick uh, which which one you want to feature if you only have time. So we've got we've got two other adult dogs. Um, one is Mabel. Uh, she is about two and a half years old. She mm-hmm. is a hefty girl at 75 pounds. She is a complete love bug. She loves her people. She loves children. Um, she is not good with cats, and she probably would prefer to be an only dog. And she also has some leash reactivity. So you're going to see a common theme here: leash mm-hmm. reactive.
0: Leash reactivity is very common. Um, and yes, absolutely. And people, I think sometimes, you know, again, and I, and I don't want to say this to sort of sound, you know, crass or whatever it may be, but people need to understand that dogs do have, like you said, at the very beginning feelings and emotions. And for whatever reason, sometimes this is just their thing and it can't always have everything perfect. But if Mabel, number one, is beautiful, I've seen her photo, and I'm going to share her again, and she's young, and she's a love bug, and you're looking for that companionship, then this is your girl. Don't always take the leash reactivity as the, oh, no, we can't do because you can make it work. If you have a fenced-in yard, and you're home with Mabel, and you just want to hang out and chill, what more could you ask for than a total love bug like her? So, I mean, this is what people need to understand when they're looking for these dogs. We always, we like to be forthcoming and say, look, we've noticed the leash reactivity or we've noticed maybe a little bit of food guarding and, or whatever the issues are. But we tell you this because we like to be full disclosure. But on the other hand, some of those things might not cause a problem for someone. You know, we just, sometimes it can sound overwhelming. You know, oh, I can't take my dog for a walk. Sure you can. You just have to find the right place. In the right spot and walk your dog all you want. Yeah. And I think one thing that a
1: lot of people don't think about, um, so with, with Mabel and blue, we have had them in our care long enough and we've seen them in enough situations that we know that they have this reactivity. We Mm -hmm. know more details about their reactivity. If you compare them to say a puppy that we don't know that much about that doesn't mean that puppy doesn't have or won't have leash reactivity.
0: You're so so right. You're so right. And I think people need to understand that. And, you know, those are some of the things that, I'm hoping, um, you know, in future episodes, maybe even one of your trainers would be willing to come on because I think it's nice to be able to give tips to people about when they're training their companion animal, what to look for and how to, how to maybe fix things and or at least work on things that they find if they do adopt a puppy and they're starting to notice some trends towards whatever leash reactivity or food guarding, toy guarding, all of that stuff. It's, it's really important for people to sort of nip that in the bud, so to speak. And then, you know, because there are ways around those sort of things, especially if you if you have a young dog and and even an older dog, they say old dogs can't learn new tricks. Sure, they can. (laughs) Yes, yes, sure they can.
1: Great, Karen. So I'm glad you mentioned uh, working with a dog and training and getting ahead of some of these issues, because that's actually something I wanted to to talk a little bit about. So with our adoptions. In the last few years, we've actually started requiring that all adopters plan to work with a positive-only professional trainer. And while that seems that seems novel, that may seem novel to some people, especially people who have maybe had dogs their whole life and never actually used a trainer uh, and had great dogs uh, and not had any problems with them, the reason why we are requiring that is to give folks a tool, a resource to have in their toolbox, uh, a second set of eyes on the dog also as the dog grows, matures, develops, settles in with the family to get ahead of any issues that may be starting to develop.
0: And That's, it's such a yeah. great plan to have in place because a lot of places you adopt a dog and then you're off on your own. And if you need a trainer, you got to go find one. <laughs>
1: yep. Yeah, well, and while we provide post-adoption support with our volunteer base, and we've got trainers in our volunteer base, we have very experienced volunteers who aren't uh, cr- accredited trainers, but have a lot of knowledge. Um, we also are volunteers, this isn't what we do uh, for as our full-time job, and we're not always available to all of our adopters. So having our adopters line up that resource that they can develop a relationship with and grow with as they bring their puppy or their dog into their home and their lives and and work with them and bring up any issues, concerns, questions that they might have. Um, We have found that to be a huge component of helping not just the match be successful, but just helping everyone reduce everyone's anxiety. They have a resource. They have someone to go to if they have a question. Um, and they have somebody who's answering them and yes, all trainers are not created equal, uh, just like in any profession. Um, but we, we have a great list started of about 20, uh, trainers and behavior, um, consultants in our area who we've worked with personally. We've had really good, um, results with them. And I'm sure there are many more that we just haven't had the chance yet to work with, but there are a lot of options out there and every dog is different every dog might need, each dog might need a different approach, a different way of approaching them. And uh, working with somebody who has seen hundreds, thousands of dogs go through these same types of phases uh, can really put you ahead of the curve as far as developing that, the well-balanced canine good citizen that you want as your pet.
0: And I, you couldn't have said it any better. I agree with you 110% because so many times it could be something that you're just, you know, you've had animals, you've had pets, you've had companion animals in your home. And, you know, for whatever reason, you've never noticed some little behavior and, and your new pet might have it and you're not qualified or, or don't have the knowledge. And sometimes it could be such a simple fix. But if you don't have that information there in front of you or you can't ask someone for the information, you know, then it's just sort of goes out the window. Whereas if you have that available to you, something that's so simple can be fixed and and you'll, you'll feel more confident your companion animal will feel more confident. And then it, like you said, it just makes them feel more successful in everything that is ahead of them by having that opportunity available. So I, Emma, I, you, again, this is Emma from Save One Soul. They're doing an amazing job right here in Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Connecticut, nearby New England and beyond. So, I mean, always feel free to reach out to Emma at Save One Soul Animal Rescue League in Rhode Island. They have some amazing puppies and adult dogs and even some seniors available for adoption. All of their information can be found um, on their Instagram, their Facebook page, There's also, they also have a website. And I'm gonna make all of this stuff available on the All About Animals Radio social media and our Animal Talk social media. Emma, thank you so much for taking the time today. I know how busy animal rescue is. I truly appreciate you, your team, the work that you do in saving so many animals. And I hope to have you on again, maybe with one of your trainers so that we can share some tips with folks who might not have that opportunity available to them. Thank you so much, Karen. Really enjoyed speaking with you. And we'll have you on again soon. Again, if you've been listening today that was emma dolly with save one soul animal rescue league right here in rhode island animal talk which is myself karen Colunian. we're based here in rhode island uh, but we're hoping to reach out all across the usa on adopt don't shop usa again i want to thank all about animals radio and please tune in again next tuesday at 8 p.m have a great week and get out there and adopt a new friend for yourself thanks again. Have a great week.